Stand by. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the Librocube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the lackadaisical Librocubicularist. I am. Don't you goddamn forget it. Something I like to say at the top of every show is that there will be spoilers. This is not a 100% chance of spoilers, but the odds are high. And this will be your one and only warning, most likely. Another thing that I quite often, maybe every time, say at the top of every show is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. No, that is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes, as that is what, uh, you know, podcasts enjoy. It is their food and sustenance that keeps them alive. So, to keep this podcast alive, alive? That's not a word. To keep it alive, though, do those things. Why don't you? Uh, I think that's just about all there is to say, other than the remainder of the podcast, of course. Uh, So I will push a button, and that will get us started properly. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to review some things. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Rowdy Roddy Piper Bagpipe Lesson Kit. Hmm, thank you for sponsoring this, in which I have three movies to talk about. The first being They Live, the 1988, rather, wow, so uh, I was born in 81, which means I was seven if my math is correct. I don't think I saw this when I was seven. But uh, I was a young kid when I first saw this and have probably seen it four-ish or five-ish times over the years because it's a goddamn friggin' great movie. Uh, Obviously, with the incredibly sad passing of Rowdy Roddy Piper, uh, I had to uh, dust it off and uh, throw it in and re-re-re-re-re-re-watch it. Um, This movie's crazy, which I think, uh, on some degree is perfect when describing a Rowdy Roddy Piper movie. It is crazy. He's a little crazy. Uh, Out of all the professional wrestlers, definitely uh, maybe back in the day he wasn't my favorite, but uh, as a grown man, looking back and what he has done sort of post his wrestling career, definitely is my favorite, hands down. Uh, He has somehow, some way... Uh, which I suppose there's a kind of logic to it, uh, has great comedic chops. Uh, comedy, a lot, 
of it is timing. Wrestling, a lot of it is timing. So the fact that uh, he can be in a show like uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and kind of when he's there, he steals the show. Uh, so, so that's just impressive. Uh, him in this movie, I, I am 99% positive this has come up before, that my favorite line in any movie, just period, is in this movie. Uh, I, I'm going to paraphrase Parachute? No. I'm going to paraphrase, just for the reason that I might not get it 100% correct. Uh, and that is, uh, the line is, that is, <laughs> I am here to kick ass and chew bubblegum. And I'm all out of bubblegum. <laughs> uh, how do you describe this movie? Uh, with difficulty. Basically, aliens have invaded Earth, us humans... I'd like to consider myself one of the humans, uh, do not yet realize this fact because they are able to look exactly like us, and they have sort of, through subliminal messages, uh, kind of dumbed down the human species uh, until Rowdy Roddy Piper comes along and puts on a pair of glasses that uh, sort of renegade a group of renegade humans has created so that when you put them on, you can see the aliens. Uh, they're, they're sort of human disguise that's pulled down. Uh, considering this came out in 88, these, these alien creatures look pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool and scary. One, one sort of, uh, I suppose, knock against how they look is that um, they look cool, but when the aliens talk, there's not really the... Uh, I guess you would say correct mouth movement to their visages. Oh, yeah, how about that for a French word, I think it might be. Anyways, <clears throat> uh, it, it's got, it's got, uh, I don't want to say it's heavy on the comedy, but uh, Rowdy Rowdy Piper and Keith David, their sort of interactions with one another, uh, and the just sort of, I believe tongue-in-cheek is a word you could use to describe this, uh, really created this sort of cult classic that uh, people who enjoy cult classics, this is going to be in your list, I can almost guarantee. Uh, even after multiple views of this, still, I think, holds up 5 out of 5 for it. And uh, very, very sad to hear about Roddy, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Um, so if, if, if he ever gave you... Uh, in your life uh, a, a smile, let's say uh, I think the chance that you will like this movie is large so he will be missed moving on because we gotta do, the show must go on and I think Rowdy Roddy would appreciate that fact moving on to A Deep Blue Sea uh, mentioned to the missus the other day that they talked of this movie on the podcast How Did This Get Made which I would recommend that episode any episode in, uh, at all, but that one uh, was good in particular. She said she used to love this movie, which was surprising to me, so we decided to watch it together. I just have realized that I forgot to get her rating. Uh, I think she likes it. Yeah, she, she saw it many times as a kid and decided to rewatch it with me. Oh, shit. Gotta speed up. Uh, it's It's okay. <laughs> It's It definitely falls into the bad movie category, and some parts fall into the so bad it's good category. I don't know if I really need to watch it again. Uh, so uh, I guess with that said, I'll probably go a, a 3 out of 5, because I did enjoy it while watching it, 
which is what I use my threes for. Uh, and, and I did like making fun of it, which is what you kind of have to do for a movie like this. Uh, anyways, it's about sharks that are um, through ridiculous quote-unquote science become super smart. And then, you know, uh, kill everyone and stuff. And uh, things. Okay, uh, moving on to the last and final movie, which, as you have already heard, I am just about, or I'm actually over time, so I don't really have time to get into. Uh, it is Wet Hot American Summer, which uh, I believe this was my third... What? You know, that's kind of funny. Every movie of this movie monologue I have seen at least once before, uh, if not more than once. Uh, uh, they live probably around five times now. Uh, the Deep Blue Sea, I think just the twice, uh, Wet Hot American Summer, I think that was, this This was my third viewing, I do believe, I do believe, uh, somehow, someway, managed to talk the missus into watching this, which, uh, I was surprised she went for it, I think she sort of just reached the point where we're, we were looking at movies, and she had, a, enough of us trying to decide what to watch together, and just said, fine, uh, but ended up liking it. Uh, despite the fact that uh, I remember her at one point saying this movie's freaking crazy. Normally she doesn't like the crazy movies, but did enjoy this. So, yay on that. Uh, me, easy, easy, five out of five. Um, I'm not going to go into too much more detail about it other than to say uh, it's a comedy. Sort of a... It's got an 80s vibe to it, in the sense that it takes place in the 80s, I suppose that's why. A little Meatballs-like takes place at a summer camp, uh, and it is actually taking place on the last day of summer camp. Or the last day of camp, if you prefer, calling it. Today's Television Talk sponsor is Moist Warm Canadian Winter, which is a movie about uh, ice fishing camp during a warm winter where the ice never really gets hard enough to go out on. Hmm, that sounds like an interesting film. Okay, in this Television Talk, I have brought back Wet Hot American Summer. What? Yes. Uh, I should perhaps be more um, specific and say Wet Hot American Summer colon first day of camp, which, if you follow along with the Netflix-provided television programs, you will already know of this, and the fact that they, at least in the circles that I travel in, are plugging the shit out of this everywhere I turn, means that you potentially, probably, have heard of this already. If you haven't, I will say, it's goddamn good. Uh, just before I forget, because sometimes I forget to write things if I don't say it right when I remember, I don't know if I can go five out of five. Let me explain. Uh, the movie, Wet Hot American Summer, as I have said seconds ago, for me gets a five out of five. Easy, so many laughs. You know, hour and a half movie, l laughs aplenty on one and after another, after another, after another. This, it's uh, a television show. So it's much, much longer than an hour and a half. I think it clocks in at 
uh, four hours or so, something like that. It, it's uh, it's only eight episodes, so it's not a super super long television program. Um, but I don't feel like there was quite as many laughs as there was in the moon movie, which is, I suppose, not surprising. I think if you were to pull out an hour and a half of this television show and stacked it up against the the movie, which is not a fair thing to do, I'm not saying that by any means, uh, I think you'd have more laughs in the movie than you would in the television show. So for that reason, I'd probably go closer to a five... Uh, sorry, closer to a four for the television show and five for the movie. Okay, have I justified my answer at all? That being said, can you really judge one against the other uh, and be it all fair? Probably not, but I am not. As I have said once, and I will say many, many times, I'm sure, I am not a professional reviewer of things. I go with my gut and crazy logic that is sometimes not logic at all. Uh, this, as the title indicates, takes place on the first day of camp. Uh, I powered through these, uh, binge-watched, as I do believe the kids say nowadays, uh, nowadays, within one weekend, just because this is sort of the perfect show for that. Uh, and I think the way creator David Wayne explains it is, it's almost like he just made a four-hour movie. Uh, so sitting down and watching the whole thing basically in one sitting like I did kind of kind of makes sense you know if you're gonna do it that way he he sort of wrote it that way uh, the other sort of fact is because it takes place in one day this entire series uh, sort of lends itself to that idea as well um, similarities to the movie are large uh, one sort of and I wonder how it came about difference is there was a lot uh, there was a lot more actors than there was... Not a lot more. All the same actors uh, from the television show. But a lot of the uh, additional actors were from the television show Mad Men, it felt like. Which was was kind of strange that uh, the makers of... Or, or the, the, the Mad Men... No. The Wet Hot American Summer People and the Mad Men People seemingly don't cross over that much. Except... Apparently they do, and all seemingly get along and work well together. So, yay on that, I, I suppose. It was just kind of a, a strange thing to see. Um, what did I just want to say about this? Oh, yes. Um, uh, the fact that... Uh, and I don't think they ever made a nod to it. The fact that this is filmed, what, uh, ten years? Uh, oh, I should have left that tab open. Okay, wait. Okay, so uh, Wet Hot American Summer, the movie came out in 2001, and the show came out in 2015, and the fact that they have all the actors in the same parts, uh, despite the fact that there's that time period in between, um, the fact that they, I don't think, ever mention it, and if they did, it was just the very, very slightest of nods, um, I appreciate and like. The other thing I appreciate and like is David Wayne. Uh, David Wayne, anything he gets his hand on, uh, I think is going to be friggin' awesome. Um, I just heard him on a podcast talking about, uh, <laughs> excuse me, um, Children's Hospital. Uh, if you ever get a chance to watch Children's Hospital, which I believe now is in its seventh season, uh, I would recommend that as well. David Wayne, yay on him. Uh, 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 
decimal system. Book banter. Today's book banter sponsor is the new renewable resource, which is uh, zombies on treadmills with with kind of brains on sticks attached in front of them, so they keep walking. Yes, what a sponsor! What a sponsor! Uh, today's book banter, I have for you a book! <laughs> Kel Surprise. Well, actually, maybe it is a bit of a surprise, because last book banter we did a little experiment, which I haven't heard anyone say they hated, so potentially we'll do that again. Uh, this book I have is called Zombie Ohio. Zombie Ohio. Hmm. Uh, as you can guess, this is a book about zombies. Specifically in uh, Ohio, I guess. Oh, you know what? Uh... <clears throat> As I quite often, this is a little behind-the-scenes action, which uh, I felt like I used to do behind-the-scenes action a lot more in the pre-episode 300 world of this podcast, so maybe throw it in every once in a while still. A little tip of the hat to the behind-the-scenes. The uh, that's When I'm doing these, what I do is, uh, for the case of the book, I usually open up the Goodreads page, which is a really good site uh, if you want to know things about books. Uh, So you go on the site, you type in about a book, give you the author, synopsis, and usually a shit ton of reviews from people. Uh, You know what? That reminds me. I used to, and haven't done it in a while, uh, would go to each book and then post the link to... Uh, my podcast where I talk of that book, uh, which, Jordan, mental note, do that some more. Anyways, uh, so I have the, the, the page open for this. Um, author is Scott Kenamore. Kenamore or Kenamore? Probably Kenamore. Uh, did a fine job of writing a book from the point of view of a zombie with the ex- with the sort of asterisks, I guess you would say is this is the first time I've ever read a zombie book where a zombie uh, ended up being a quote-unquote zombie but still had the brain uh, he had beforehand. In the sense that he still had a human uh, ability to think and reason and had a slight case of amnesia but still for the most part could remember things from his past life uh, to a certain degree, as well as, you know, how to walk and talk and what uh, guns were and, and things like that. So, uh, a, a very, very sort of interesting idea. Never fully explained, uh, but they did have a sort of... Uh, <laughs> I don't know why this sticks out. Uh, the, the zombie, uh, which, what was his name? Uh, Professor Peter Miller. He dies in a car accident and then sort of immediately awakens as a zombie. Uh, It takes him actually a little while, like hours, to realize that he has died. It's sort of, uh, he takes off his hat and then sees a big chunk of his skull is missing. Uh, Yeah, what was I saying? Oh, okay, so he had this sort of idea, and I don't know how scientifically accurate that is, but it's a zombie book, so who cares, that, uh, you know, one in a million people who get HIV never develop the AIDS virus. They're just sort of, they, they stay in that in that zone. So he's thinking that maybe one in a million humans who gets the zombie disease doesn't, in fact, uh, turn into a brainless zombie. Uh, and he thinks maybe it has something to do with the fact that he, uh, instead of dying and then spending a period dead and then waking up as a zombie, he died and then within a heartbeat 
woke up, so there's not sort of that brain deterioration. So I, I like the fact that they throw that little, probably not accurate, but makes you think scientific accuracy to a zombie book, which I've spoke of before, that it's ridiculous that I like scientific accuracy in certain things like fantasy novels or uh, zombie books, but uh, I do, and I appreciate it, Scott Kenamore. You done good. Uh, so this uh, this sentient zombie by the name of Peter, uh, through a sort of a, over the course of the book, he ends up uh, having some adventures. He travels around. He meets people who he knew in his past life. Um, at one point, he has sort of developed a taste for brains. So, so that's part of his transformation. He he does like to eat people. And he does have a sort of almost drug-like feel uh, sound over the the, the, the the desire to eat brains. So that's there. But he can't fight it. So, like, he'll, uh, he found a kid by the side of the road. He could have just eaten that kid, but instead he helped the kid, you know, uh, find safety. Uh, did I give a rating? Uh, I did not. I think I'm going to go... Four out of five, with potentially some uh, five out of five moments, just for me sort of scratching my head, thinking, yeah, you know what, that does kind of make sense. And to do that while reading a book about a sentient zombie uh, is impressive. So, there you go. Today's game, Gavin sponsor, is Arm and Hammer Watch Cleaner. And the game, which I have for you, is called Hammer Watch. Coincidentally, totally coincidentally, please take my word for that. Uh, okay, so similar to my behind-the-scenes action for uh, when I look for books, uh, quite often when I do it for games, I'll just have the uh, Wikipedia page open. Sometimes I'll have the Steam page open. Uh, just something so I can go to see things like the developer of Hammerwatch is called uh, Crackshell. This game was released in August 2013. Things of that nature. It's a uh, hack and slash action adventure, according to this. Which, uh, yeah, I can see that. I'd probably go closer to a dungeon, dungeon crawler. It's got more of that feel to it. Uh, I cannot 100% remember if I have brought this game back before. Uh, I know I bought it a while ago, and I did remember playing it, but I don't know if I played it enough to talk about it on this podcast. But uh, over the course of last weekend, I really, really got into it and uh, played through both of the missions that, when you purchase the game, come with it. Uh, The reason I phrase that that way is because you can actually go into the Steam store and they have occasional games that have something called the Steam Workshop. Now, if you know what that is, you're listening to this saying, yeah, I know exactly what that is. We don't need to go into it. But the potential that someone listening to this has no idea what I'm talking about is, I think, maybe not high, but medium. Medium rare, let's say. Uh, So what that means is you buy a game and then uh, within the Steam Workshop, 
people have people just I don't want to say average everyday Joe Blows, but people who have a working knowledge on how to do these sorts of things, people have crafted things that uh, can enhance your game. For you know, That's being sort of general there. So, for example, with this game, uh, people have created additional levels. So uh, I downloaded a couple of those and played as well. And uh, I think that's why this game has done as well as it has, because I think this game has done very well, because... Uh, I could finish the two levels that it came with, which were incredible, but I can also sort of a la Little Big Planets, I guess to a lesser degree, just because it doesn't quite have the audience or the tools for someone like myself to. Um, it doesn't come with the tools to make levels, or did it? Shit, you know what? <laughs> Maybe I just said that and I'm totally off, and there was uh, a level editor included with it. Well, if there was. Uh, I have to imagine that it's not quite the level of editor that uh, came with Little Big Planet. Uh, you know what? How about, how about on the note of uh, Little Big Planet? If you are playing that, uh, I have quite a few. I don't know, probably half a dozen, if I had to guess, uh, levels created on that that I spent a lot of time on. So uh, why don't I throw out my PlayStation? Uh, you know, uh, what is it? PlayStation Network ID thing. It's, uh... Shit, what is it? <laughs> you can tell I don't play online a lot. It's, uh... Slow Cheetah 47 or Slow underscore Cheetah 47. It is one of those two, which uh, is also my Steam ID. So if you care to add me to that, uh, I would love to be your friend on these two platforms. Just know that I play virtually zero online because I'm playing uh, video games to escape from reality, not to have it thrust upon me by you, you son of a bitch. Uh, Hammerwatch. Had tons of fun. Uh, my kind of game. Perfect, perfect game for uh, when I do as I quite often do, which is watch uh, television or movies while I am playing. Uh, it's in a perfect game for that. So I'm probably going to go... Can I go 5 out of 5? If there was a few more... Uh, I don't want to poo-poo the user-generated levels, but uh, the ones I played weren't quite as good as the ones that came with it. So if there was a few more games that came with it, I might give it higher. Uh, as is, I'm going to go four to, f four to five, though. Very, very good. Would recommend to a friend. Today's Internet Intercourse sponsor is Krusty Krab Chive Oatmeal, KCCO. Okay, so uh, today's sponsor is a new addition to the Internet Intercourse family, and that is a podcast. Uh, you know what, I'm uh, just sitting here thinking, I can't remember if I've ever actually brought back the Chive, which is, uh, I could call it a website, I could call it an app. But uh, it's per perhaps more than that. Perhaps that's short-shelling it. Perhaps it's short-shelling it. That's not. That doesn't make any sense. Perhaps it's short-selling it. Ah, English tough. 
what I've brought back in this case, just as sort of evidence of it being more than the sum of its parts, is the Chive Podcast, uh, which is a sort of new addition to the Chive Repertoire. Repertoire. Uh, okay, well, let's start off by saying that uh, it's a new podcast, like ten episodes in, and these fucking bastards are pretty good. Hmm. Here I am, 330-plus episodes in, and these guys... <laughs> uh, I don't know what their ages are. I'm assuming they're a couple of younger guys in their 20s. Uh, go by the name of John Rezig and Bob Phillips, who are cousins. Um, one of which, which I actually didn't write down, because sometimes I don't write things down. Uh, one of them is the creator of The Jive, which is really sort of a phenomenon. Uh, very, very impressive. One thing cool about the Chive from a personal perspective is that the very first time I ever posted uh, pics to the Chive, uh, they got onto one of the pages. So I, I was pretty pretty pleased with myself. Pleased with myself. Uh, less pr- pleased with the fact that these friggin' guys, uh, you know, less than 10 or 10 or so episodes into their podcast, and their guests include Kevin Pollock, Mark Marin, Jeff Ross, Jim Gaffigan, uh, Adam Krola, and Milana uh, Vintrube. <laughs> Bastards. And my guests include my wife, so that's pretty good. I don't actually really have guests, per se, so. Still. Yeah, but still. Uh, they did a very, very good job, uh, from what I've heard so far. Let's, uh, you know what, I could put it this way. I'm going to continue to listen. I think I might do like I do with a lot of podcasts, since I have so many on the go. Uh, I don't want to say I have to pick and choose my battles, but uh, some podcasts uh, I will listen depending on who the guest is. And uh, I might do it with them. I haven't decided yet. So, there you go. Uh, one sort of amazing thing of the Chive uh, that I think these two guys or the creator or whomever have done really, really well is to combine uh, sort of a combination of uh, college humor, playboy, um, it's girls and jokes and immaturity and things that make me laugh and smirk and give me boners. Uh, but <laughs> all that's great. And you could do that, but uh, one of the sort of smart things that they've sort of added on top to this is that they focus a lot on uh, charity work. So uh, I think that's genius for many reasons. I guess not least of which is that you're, you know, giving back, you're doing charity. That's a good thing. But uh, in this instance, I think it's even smarter because it means that uh, you kind of open yourself to a whole different audience. Whereas, uh, let's say with Playboy, who may, in fact, probably does do forms of charity, uh, you're not going to get too many uh, women go over there and check things out, uh, no matter no matter what. But uh, if you layer on uh, your your sort of company focus uh, a heavy degree, like they must focus a, a fair amount of their efforts on charity. Uh, if, if you do that, you're going to have people who probably wouldn't come to experience your thing that you would otherwise. So, so very, very smart on multiple levels, and uh, I like that. Okay, uh, I meant to talk about uh, everyone. Looks like I'm probably not going to have time to. Uh, let's squeeze... When I say everyone, I mean all of the guests. 
Uh, let me try to squeeze in what I can. Uh, first off, they ask at the end of each interview, everyone, uh, a series of post-apocalyptic questions. As you know, long-time listener of this podcast, I love anything post-apocalyptic related, so... See, there's never enough time. Uh, so I've brought those back here. They are... Uh, you are, of course, one of the lone survivors. If not the lone survivor of the apocalypse, what would the one and only movie you had in your possession be that you'd have to watch over and over again? Um, I had just sort of two thoughts. One was Wrath of Khan, Star Trek Two. that is, just because I've watched that, uh, you know, upwards of 20-some-odd times already, and I still love it. Uh, but then I also went with one of my other favorites, which is uh, the Woodstock movie. Um, my my answer there would depend on if I had access to music. If I didn't have access to music, then I'd definitely go with Woodstock. If I had sort of unlimited access to music, say I break into a, a record store, whatever that is, uh, then maybe Rathacon. Okay, see, I'm putting some serious thought into this. I do not mess around. Uh, if you could pick one uh, person to sort of repopulate the world with, who would it be? You know what, I was just realized as I said that out loud. What if they have uh, someone who is not a, uh, a, a heterosexual person? Because if it's two people of the same sex, repopulation going to be uh, <laughs> not too easy. You should maybe rephrase that. Anyways, uh, I chose Sarah Silverman. Because uh, it's not just 100% about, oh yeah, I'm going to pick the super hottest girl in the world. In which case, I might uh, pick uh, Emily Ratajkowski. But, this is going to be basically the only person you're going to be hanging out with. So, uh, I want someone who can make me laugh. So, Sarah Silverman, easy, easy choice there. I should perhaps, in case the Mrs. Bessis... The missus <laughs> listens to this episode. I should perhaps specify that uh, they did say to all the married uh, folk who they asked this question, uh, and it can't be your wife. Okay? So, just to get that out of the way. Uh, the last question was, uh, in your sort of uh, days of being the last person alive, if you could hallucinate a conversation with anyone, who would it be? Uh, I have two choices there as well, which isn't fair, but fuck you. Uh, Chris Hardwick and Bill Murray, um, which I think one of the people they asked said Bill Murray, if I do recall. Anyways, uh, I have a tough choice choosing between one of those. I mean, I, I, like, if it was an everyday conversation, uh, someone to talk to every day, I'd probably lean more towards Chris Hardwick, just because I think we'd have more in common. Okay, uh, so, Kevin Pollock, let's... I'm way, way, way over time here, but I don't care. I don't care. I'm making content. Uh, okay, so the first one I listened to was with Tom Cruise. Oh, with Tom Cruise. It was with uh, Kevin Pollock, who, if you know, which I'm sure you do, uh, was the very first podcast I ever listened to was Kevin Pollock's chat show. As I like to say, I came for the LeVar Burton and stayed for the Kevin Pollock. Uh, if you ever want to know... A lot about a person uh, and they have appeared on the Kevin Pollock chat show, you are in luck because you'll never have a more in-depth interview. Uh, he's just awesome. Uh, Mark Marin, uh, I also listened to his podcast. 
Uh, he's one of the ones where I only listen if it's someone uh, that I have an interest in knowing. I don't listen to every single episode. Uh, just interviewed the President of the United States, so <laughs> that's impressive. What I liked about that... Oh, I must have talked about it on this podcast, so let's move on. Uh, Jeff Ross, he's good because he can sort of roll with anything, seemingly. He told a really good uh, B. Arthur story. Something impressive about him, too, is uh, he's done 30 U.S. So tours, so just because he does roast and mocks people and makes fun of them until seemingly some of them cry. Uh, I, I think sort of deep down he's one of those very, very sweet and caring people, so uh, that's why I like him. Jim Gaffigan. Uh, that one was cool because I don't get to hear a lot of Jim Gaffigan interviews, so good on that. Uh, Milana Weintrub. Oh, man, I miss her so much. Um, I know for 100% guarantee... Uh, pre-episode 300 at one point when her show was on uh, Live Prude Girls I do believe it was called or Let's Talk About what was it called? I know I wrote it down because I knew I would get it wrong Uh, Let's Talk About Something More Interesting I want you to go to YouTube uh, type in Let's Talk About Something More Interesting uh, and watch those because they are a little slice of comedy heaven uh, I remember on the podcast talking of her and saying she is going to be sort of a huge thing in comedy. Uh, one of the reasons that I kind of like these guys even more than I already did, John and Bob, uh, was because they said the exact same thing. This girl has, like, I put her on this list of all these super, super funny people because she is a super, super funny people. And I gotta be honest, this interview, she was probably definitely among the quickest the quickest wit and had the some of the best jokes sort of seemingly with ease but definitely not fly out of her mouth love her so much uh super hot as well you know what i'm gonna take off sarah silverman i'm sorry sarah i know you are very very hurt but i'm gonna put on uh milana weintrube yeah we're post-apocalyptic it baby uh last but not least adam carolla hey what more can you say about that uh, not much. There is one more thing I could say, which I like to say from time to time, and that is, of course, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Done and done. And I mean done. Done and done. <laughs> I like Ron. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean butts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet 
The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come Live long and prosper.